Cyber Warrior Network Esports Podcast, where we discuss everything cybersecurity and identify talent in technology through esports. CWN is launching the first cyber esports league that validates cyber skills and matches players to fill real world cybersecurity jobs. From 2014 to 2016, Nigel LeBlanc, a United States Air Force veteran, served as the Cyber Veteran Program Manager for the state of Maryland, where he helped veterans launch businesses and careers in cybersecurity. Today, he serves as the founder and CEO of Cyber Warrior Network. In 2020, at DEF CON Red Team Village, a 14-year-old girl placed in the top 25 of her cyber esports tournament. Play well, get hired. CWN, a league of their own. And now, your host, Nigel LeBlanc. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Cyber Warrior Network Podcast. And we are very excited about our guest tonight, Jason E. Street. This guy needs no introduction. Written two books, Dissecting Hacking, and just spoken at every conference on this planet. And I'm looking forward to learning from um, Jason, a super cool guy. Jason, one of you did an episode with Cyber360. And just in our conversations, I think that this really kind of sums up your passion for teaching, right? And our goal at uh, CWN, you know, through launching the first Cyber Esports League is to really discover talent, right? And and meaningfully deploy that talent. So, and and the, the title of that, it says, the hacker who breaks security to educate about security. And I think you have one of the coolest jobs in the world, man. You, you get to break into banks. Yeah. How many people can say that, right? And just, you know, legally, away. legally, right? <laughs> exactly. And just, yeah, legally, and just, we all can. Right. right. You know, I just walk away from that. So, Jason, thank you. Thank you for being here. Of course, my co host, good friend, and CWN's CISO, Hini Ochoa, Wormer in the house. Welcome, Jason. So, well, thank you. you. Can, we can jump right in. Or if you want to say a few words about yourself, I know you don't really like intros, but um, it's your call, my friend. Yep. Well, I would just like to expand a little bit more when I talk about the education thing, because it's like, I think it's very uh, interesting. It's like, because I don't do the typical red teaming. It's like, we usually think of red teamers as the people who just go into break systems. And I used to start off, I started off that way. It's why well, I started off actually in blue team. Uh, and doing that for over 10 years and doing the defensive side and learning better, which actually made me a better red teamer. Uh, but then I realized I'm just breaking stuff in and writing a report. I'm not really educating. I'm not really, I don't think, I didn't think I was creating enough value. So what I am now is not a red teamer. I'm a security awareness operative. Uh, it's like I, uh, someone gave me that title and I use it frequently now uh, because I do security awareness engagements. I will do all the red team tactics 
uh, to break in social engineering, fishing. It's like compromising, going into buildings, trying to, to break in the doors, trying to bypass all the physical security to get in, uh, take pictures that I'm uh, of devices that I could steal, sometimes actually taking them with me to see if I will be allowed to go out with them. But after that part of it, it's like after I've done all that compromise, it's like I then leave for two minutes and then I come back. And then I educate every single person that I compromised one-on-one and and publicly and loudly so everybody around can hear it as well, what I did, what they did wrong, what they can do better, and how this was not a test. It was a learning experience that I was not an adversary. I was not a competitor. I was a teacher showing them that they, they didn't fail. They learned. It's like they didn't take a loss. They took a lesson. And it's like, and then I, after that, it's like on the third day, I make sure I get caught. It's like, I literally make sure that, that I, they, the, the company gets a win. The employees get to know that, Hey, someone did something right. They did it the right way. This is how you teach with that. And, and so, and then I, I do security awareness training. I do classes uh, as well, teaching blue teamers and teaching people on uh, individually for users uh, at companies, how to protect themselves from people like me. Uh, so I think that is one of the key things uh, that is different than a lot of red teamers. It's like, it's not, because uh, I also, I suck at writing reports. So it's like, I just, I do, I do the actual one-on-one teaching more than I do the reporting. Yeah. So we're we're, we're going to later on in the episode, we're going to talk about how you and your friend, uh, Darren, and your compadre broke into three banks in is- Israel. No, um, uh, Lebanon. That's Lebanon. Right, right. Beirut. Right. So, yes. Yeah. We, we'll talk about that later on and some of the, the really cool gadgets. Uh, so Higgs, if you haven't seen it, like, you know, it's like some really like Mission Impossible type stuff. You know, yep. they have the 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 camera and the watch and in the buttons. Yeah. It, it was it was pretty cool to watch, man. Anyways, so here's a question that we always ask, right? What is your definition of a hacker? Often people think when they hear about hacker, they think about criminal or they think about, you know, something nefarious. I mean, what do you consider uh, uh, being a hacker? I will not give you the one hour version that's available on YouTube. My DEF CON 22 talk, uh, one of the the best talk that I've ever done uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, A lot of people like my DEF CON 19 talk. Uh, it's like, it was one of the most embarrassing talks I've ever given. It's, I was horrible in it. It was, it literally makes me cringe every time I see it, but to, to sum it up, it's a hacker is just another way to say a person who is curious, a person who has passion, a person, it, every child, you were born a hacker. We were all born hackers. Because what we did was we asked those questions. Why? Why? Why does it have to be this way? Why can't we do this? Why can't we make it different? Why do we have to accept this reality? Why? 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 And that's, and we now use that. That is a joke because that shows how annoying children are because they're always asking why. And we try to squash that. And that is the reason why there's not as many hackers as, as there could be. Is because they get ground out of them in their educational system and from adults telling them not to ask so many questions. Hackers are the ones that are the ones that are now, the ones that are older, the one that's over their 20s. They're just the ones that were able to retain it. 
they were just able to keep on and hold on to that childlike curiosity and that passion to keep doing something. And another big myth is that hacking is something to do with computers. That's ridiculous. Hacking has nothing to do with computers. It's like, I mean, seriously, it's like, everybody's like, oh, what do you mean? It's like, you can hack on a computer. Yes, but that has nothing to do with what hacking is. It is how you're utilizing hacking. It is how you express your hacking. Leonardo da Vinci, one of the greatest hackers ever existed in history. He created an armored car. He designed an armored car. He designed a flying machine, which, of course, he, he did get some copies over, and I'd like to give credit to the people who did it first, which were some Muslim gentlemen who did it like two or 300 years earlier. It's like broke his back uh, in his testing because he actually did it like he went live with it. Be careful about putting things into production. And, and then also you've got, uh, I mean, it's like also like the Wright brothers. You know, you know the first person who created the flying machine? was not the Wright brothers. It was a, it was a person from India nine years prior. Uh, so it's like, so these things that we need to understand and why do I know these things? Because I want to learn. I'm a hacker. I have that curiosity. I have that passion. And I don't just listen to what people say. I go deeper into it and make sure. And so that is what being a hacker is. It's like a hacker is just understanding that you used to call them creators and inventors and scientists. It's like we have plenty of them today. They just don't realize they're hackers because they're not just doing the computer stuff. I mean, uh, one of the best hackers in the world besides Tesla and Ada Lovelace was Hedy Lamar. And the travesty is she was labeled as an actress. It's like she was an actress, Hedy Lamar. No. She was a hacker and inventor, Hedy Lamar. It's like who did some acting. It's like, you know, she, mm. she, she, she did some shows. It's like, no, she was a hacker. It's like, and I mean, you don't get me mistaken for a movie star. I was on television. So you don't get me mistaken. No, because I'm a hacker. It's like she was mm. a hacker. It's like we have Wi-Fi and Bluetooth because of her. It's like she helped win the war, World War II, with submarines and doing working on a submarine technology. It's like, so yes, that is a hacker. So computers are incident. And also we get to the point where people want to talk about the ethical hacker, which is also another myth. It's like, or black hat hackers and white hackers. I think that is horrible to try to classify because first of all, you know, still racists. And second of all, it's because of the fact that there is no black hat hacker. There is no white hat hacker. There are hackers and there are people who are criminals who use the methods and technology and the, the tools that hackers create to commit crime. If I go to a bank and I've got a regular bank that I go to and I find out in the news that one of the bankers, one of the bank managers was arrested for committing embezzlement and money laundering and broke the law and, and went to jail. Do I go back to that bank now and I go to my business manager and I say, excuse me, are you a black hat banker or a white hat banker? Because it's like, I don't want you stealing my money. It's like, if you're a black hat banker, it's like, I want to make sure that I'm getting a white hat banker. It's like, can you please clarify before we meet that you're a, a white hat banker so I know uh, to be safe? It's like, you know, just, I mean, I, I, I'm not assuming that you're a black hat banker, but you said you were a banker. So I need some clarification 
or you're an ethical banker, right? It's like, I mean, that sounds absurd, right? But yeah, everybody, we're, we're all ethical hackers. Yeah, until we get caught. No, it, no, I think it's like I'm a hacker. It's like I'm not a criminal. It's like it's like, and that's the way I look at it. It's like it's not about what our ethics and morals are. It's like it's what we do. It's like the matter because I've done that. If we look at it just based on the law, it's like, yeah, that's a whole other thing. It's like, but the key thing is I do not commit crime. I do not try to profit other other people's miseries. If I got robbed with by someone who had a gun, which I've been mugged before with a guy with a gun before, it's like, it's like I did not automatically assume that that person was a gunsmith that they created that gun and they like, you know, put the gunpowder in the bullets and made the bullet. No, they were a criminal using a tool to commit a crime. That tool was very convenient for them and very easy for them to commit that crime. It's like, and that's what they used. Most of the criminals that you're dealing with, I would say 95% of the criminals that are considered hacking or cyber criminal hackers are legit clueless about the technology they're utilizing. They're downloading prepackaged programs, then they're sending them out blindly and hoping to get things. They've got certain ransomware gangs or cyber extortionist groups actually literally have support lines and tech support yeah. for some yeah. of these people. They have YouTube videos, they have forum things because they're not intelligent. They just are criminals using a tool that makes it very, very, very convenient to commit right. crime with. So we yeah. need to stop this whole myth that these are all... Now, there were hackers that probably created those tools. Those were criminals, yeah. and they were hackers. But 95% yeah. to 98%, I would say safely, were not are not criminals it's like they're just hackers they're explorers they're they they do vulnerabilities they 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 report them they try to figure out things people are hackers that are not even in the field of computers i've seen food hackers that have created all these weird cool science things hackers that have yeah. uh, that actually went and started building 3d printed limbs for people that uh, amputees very inexpensive low cost freely yeah. giving yeah. them out uh, i know of a hacker in africa where he actually rode a bicycle to another village that had internet so he could learn how to create windmills and created a new windmill technology to help his village with water. It's wow. like, how is that not a hacker? It's right. like, so that is what hacking is. It's like this whole myth that it involves computers or that it involves uh, criminality is a, just a straw man and a false uh, flag to try to to demonize a, a whole population of people that just want to know why does it have to be like this? Why can't we do something else or make it better or make it different? Right. And we keep asking those questions. So Higgs Higgs has a really really good way of framing how within our platform have how we kind of uh, you know like created the structured process and and you know. It gives you the ability to to go in you know multiple directions, and I'll, I'll let him talk about that here in a second within esports, right? Within our within our platform, right? But I'll, so I'll share an experience, right? Like we we got to DefCon and they gave us these badges, right? And I don't know, like 
Jason, I am lost, right? This dude gets the badge and in three seconds, oh, yes, this is, this is, this is like, how do you know that? Like, right. like how is that shit pro- pre-programmed in your mind, right? So, you know, I think that ability to always be thinking outside of the box and that curiosity that you talked about, right? That that is that is definitely kind of intrinsic to, you know, hacking and people being hackers. But Higgs, you know, to, to that point, how do you describe, you know, you so eloquently put it, you know, how we kind of systemize this process? Look, being a hacker, um, as Jason knows, is uh, I don't want to say it's a complicated process. It's a long process. But at the end of the day, I, I, I 100% agree with him on the fact that, yeah, I was born with this. Uh, everybody's born with this. I One of my most favorite things is this isn't hard. We can teach uh, the process of how to hack over and over again. We can teach you a specific tool. But our system, personally, the way I view it, teaches you a methodology, right? It it, it teaches, a, it kind of has to nudge you back to that creative world, right? And for for this story, for instance, the reason I I took the badge the way I did. That's, that's part of intrinsically, right? Like it's, I can't, I can't put it into a uh, uh, proper words, almost um, uh, busting out here, but I had DEFCON badge in my hand. I'm looking at it and just all the connections is in my brain, man. Oh, I wonder what that does. I wonder what this does. I wonder what this button is, right? I haven't pressed this. I haven't turned it on, pushed it into this, but, but the, the tools that we use and the uh, methodology, Geez, we use, and I mean, again, if you agree with me or not, let me know. But uh, I believe we could teach that to just about anybody, right? Uh, I mean, I have, I have a, a, yeah, I have young nephews and stuff who could social engineer money out of the most tight wadded people. I mean, so, so that's a great point, right? So, looking at your your background, Jason, you started out in physical security, law enforcement, and you have evolved, like you've carved the niche for yourself, right? Talk us through that journey. You know, well, I would like to start off. It's like, cause I, I think it's like the, the whole start of my journey. It's like, cause I tell people I'm doing pretty good for a high school dropout who used to live behind a dumpster. It's like, and so, and, and I don't shy away from that because, you know, that was part of my story as well. It's like, and also my first job was being a janitor uh, at McDonald's and I was the effing best janitor in the Southeast Texas region for two years in a row, we won cleanest restaurant because I took pride in my job and I was a great janitor. It's like, and, and I think we lose sight of that. It's like where we have to like, we ha- only are supposed to be good at the jobs that we like. Uh, it's like, I never wanted to be a janitor for the rest of my life, but by gosh, if I was going to be a janitor, I was going to be the best effing janitor I could be. It's like for my benefit, it's like for me, it's like not for anybody else. And, and then I got tired of dealing with that and, and, and going through all that. It's like, and then I realized I wanted to do more. And so I started looking around and I realized I've always liked, uh, because I come from a very traumatic childhood, uh, a lot of abuse and, you know, crimes against the Geneva war conventions basically. And, and I realized it's like, I don't want to turn out like the psychopath everybody said I was going to be or the horrible person that I wanted to be. I wanted to do the reverse. And because always, I was always contrary. And it's like, I wanted to go and actually catch bad people. I wanted to keep bad things from happening to people like the stuff that happened to me. 
So I got into physical security because, you know, high school dropout. It's like, and then, and during the class, it was actually pretty good for the security course. The security course was atrocious for physical security. It's like the, how they, they do the security course, at least in Texas, to allow that person to carry a gun. Half the people in the class should not have had a firearm. I, I, I will tell you that right now. It's like the, the teacher uh, thought I was cheating because I finished this simple test in 10 minutes or so because it was just I read and I understood what the class was about. It's like so. But that got me to get my GED. And I went in one day. It's like with no class or pre-class and just, you know, took all six tests, passed it. And I got my GED so I could start doing security work. And I really was good because like I wanted to be a good officer and it's like that. But then, uh, and then I did three years on a gang task force and literally getting tired of getting shot at. Uh, it's like in listening on this car, I heard someone talk about uh, uh, computer support. Well, everybody there was helped uh, at the task force was asking me about computers and like, Hey, can you help us with this computer? Can you help me with my thing? It's like, uh, and this was back in, in like 95, uh, uh, 94, 95, I am old. And I was like, sure, I can do that. Well, then the commercial was like, do you do this? Or do you know that? And I'm like, I know that. Get into IT support. And I'm like, so I started doing IT support uh, until they uh, made me a manager because of my success, which I turned out to be a horrible manager. It's like, I should never be a manager of people. It's just, I don't like the responsibility or dealing with humans in that way. And then I, it was 2000. And I was introduced because of Tim Smith, uh, a wonderful gentleman who was a very kind soul, a very smart and compassionate person who actually said, hey, do you want to do information security? I like the way you talk. I hear you in the other area and stuff, you know, and I was like, wait, I can do security and computers and no one shoots at me. Yes, please. I'll take that. <laughs> And it's like, and it was amazing. But of course, now, 20 years later, I'm back yeah. into a position now where I have the potential of getting shot at, but yeah. it's a vicious circle, but I don't care. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like, I've not been, I've not had, I don't think I've only, I've only been like two or three engagements where a gun might've been in play, but the, but the whole point is that's how it started. It's not, I don't know how to code. I know there's a lot of stuff going on right now on InfoSec Twitter about, you know, coding, I couldn't code my way out of a paper bag. I can look at code and say, maybe if I cut that part out, we'll see if it works or we'll see if I can do something else with it. I mean, I literally helped in the arrest of some fishers that went after one of my banks that I used to work at because I was blue team at a bank, which is the reason why I'm so good at robbing them. And it's like, and I was able to look through the PHP code. I cannot code PHP but I was able to look through the PHP code and figure out where the email address for these fishers was encoded to send to them. And the FBI had overlooked that. It's like, you know, we're federally insured mother. You're going to have a bad day. It's yeah. like, so, uh, and those people were arrested and because not because they attacked us because we didn't suffer any kind of breach because we were able to respond to it. I was literally when they were hosting the phishing emails, we would find the the websites that were compromised. It was a Linux exploit. I may have used the same kind of exploit to get into the page, delete our folder that was our property. It's like, and then, which neutered their attack. And then we notified every single web host. We notified them via phone call and also trying to reach out on emails. We actually had one of the bankers 
who used to be a missionary in Brazil by his family because we needed someone to speak Portuguese so we could explain to the webmaster what had happened to their website and how to fix the errors. And then I would send them the emails. So, but I can't cope. But that doesn't stop me. It's like, I'm not good at lockpicks. It's like, but I've never had to worry about lockpicks. I've never lockpicked a door. I've had security or the employee open the door for me. It's been fine. It's right. like, so uh, yeah. this whole gatekeeping is, is ridiculous. I tell people, it's like, F the gate, we're hackers. Jump the fence. It's right. like, why do you have to even acknowledge it or go under it? It's like or create a tunnel. It's like, it's just like building the wall. It's like, yeah, that works out. No such thing as tunnels around Mexico, right? It's like, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's like, if you create a solution that you think is foolproof, then you're the fool. Right. So, so I have a question for both of you guys, right? Top three things that, that, that are totally transferable from your days gaming, right? First of all, Jason, you're a gamer. What, what's your favorite games? Or what are you playing these days? I, I almost uh, exclusively play No Man's Sky. It's like I'm actually going to be streaming tomorrow my new colony. It's like, um, and it is actually, I actually bought on, on Etsy, uh, the, this is my main uh, ship in the game. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I actually got it, and it was not the original one. This was I had one like this, but it had a different kind of back. Uh -huh. I literally, as soon as I purchased this and, and had it coming to me, it's like I went to the game and and, and I read it, trying to figure out the coordinates to find out where the ship was, what system it was in, and yeah. then it took me about I would say seven hours of trying to get it to the point where I could get the S class, which is the highest level. Uh -huh. uh, of one of these ships so I could purchase it. It's like, so I now have this ship in the game as well nice. as my main, my main ship. It's like, because I'm weird, but no man's sky. I don't even play the game. Like it's supposed to be played. This is a game where you're supposed to be doing all this exploration and all these, I'm creating stories in the game. It's like, I create bases. I mean, some people create statues or artwork, or they're like, oh, I'm recreating a city in Rome, or I'm recreating, if you look at my YouTube channel, I'm literally creating these stories that go along with, like, it's this whole arc of the Sentinels, which are the bad robotic people, and it's this whole arc of me gathering the interloper forces, and gathering them up, and having battles with them, and I orchestrate these huge battles and bases, because it's like Minecraft for old nerds, uh, it's like, cause you could create parts and houses and buildings. And, and I use the buildings to like, I created this space station and all the spaceships that are around the space station, I created with housing parts and other, other items and stuff to make it look like it's their spaceships docking into the space station. Then the colony that I have, this whole settlement is actually the second colony that I created. And this one is because after the main battles were over, they retreated to this planet, which is a paradise planet. And they, and I've got this whole thing. There's a criminal underlord. It's like, he's no one really knows who he is. And they don't realize that he's reporting to the Atlas, uh, which is the main villain. And it's like, but he's got a hidden area in this hidden room uh, above his nightclub. You can go into his this tunnel that goes to his private residence. And then you see the reveal that he's like actually one of the cultists of the Sentinels. And uh, I created a whole underground market and a hidden way to get into it. And there's no one else there. It's like, that's the hilariousness of it. It's like, I put in so much detail 
And I mean, I've got chairs, I've got a bar, I've got a dance floor in this nightclub. Unless you see it on the video or happen to stumble upon it on my base on the base upload uh, from this uh, thing called the anomaly, you're never going to see this. But I enjoy it. I enjoy creating the stories. I enjoy doing it. It has nothing to do with how the game was designed. No one, no game designer, no creator of this game ever imagined what I was doing, what I do with this game. So, it's so, hilarious. So like, why would a hacker use something what it's intended for, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's the so, truest kind of hacking. Exactly. And New so, Man's, uh, new, that, that game is No Man's Sky. Uh, lends itself to the hacker it's probably one of the yes. most hacker-esque games in the in that form of, of free creativity I, I i'm with uh, jason on there's one of my favorite games there's a lot of people out there who hate on it uh, it didn't have this it didn't have that i i loved it i'm sorry what gigs <laughs> with that same train of thought here right you know we're we're operationalizing esports in one way here to fill cybersecurity jobs but you know Share some thoughts on how you think the broader esports community can work with hackers or vice versa to kind of, you know, whatever the, the outcome is, you know, what are you guys thoughts on that? Oh, the hacker community can can uh, and the gaming community have a lot in common. Uh, and and I think we utilize that with being able to let us let you hack the game itself, hack the executables. You know, our game has so many ends. On so many levels, and I think that's the kind of creativity that uh, game devs need. Gamers are always mad because they play Grand Theft Auto Five, right? And everybody's getting blown up by the uh, the fifteen year old with the mad hacks, uh, launching grenades and missile launchers at your car. Uh, New World, right? Had all kinds of ex uh, bugs in it. Gold. They stopped their economy for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cyberpunk twenty seven seven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that was a mess. That was a uh, little disappointing. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's what I mean. You know, I think, uh, uh, if hackers were given that Avenue or were, you know, a little more, more welcome in the scene and not given that bad omen, Oh, you're a hacker. Oh, you're getting reported kind of thing. A lot of these bugs would likely be reported, especially if these game companies yeah. and developers had bug bounties or a uh, vulnerability distro, uh, you know, VDPs and stuff. Yeah. And why do we call them like in call of duty and all these other games? Why do we call them hackers or game hacks? They're cheaters. It's exactly. like you, you're it's cheating, owned, right? It's like, yeah. You're, you're not, not hacking. Cheat engine, you're man. cheating. You're not hacking. Hey, yeah. I used to be so pissed. Like the first uh, Call of Duty, one of the first Call of Duty hacks, so to speak, right? This guy would be sitting in the walls and just mowing us down. Yeah. I hated that until I figured out how to do it myself. But <laughs> right. Right. So, it's always it's always fun when you find the secret. Yeah. So Jason, you talked about something uh, a little bit early and you, uh, you talked about, you know, most people are just using, you know, pre-made scripts, right? You right. Know, we call them script kitties, right? So social engineering toolkit, what is that? Where can I find it? Can I just go and buy it on Amazon or, you know, the, the social, yeah. Are you asking me where I can, where you can buy it? Cause it's like, I'm not going to tell you. No, I'm just, <laughs> no, no. Just I like mean, yeah, I'm being facetious here, but yeah, yeah, know, that, they always do that. They're asking, like, hey, how can uh how can I be a hacker? It's like I get right. constant DMs, I get constant people's like, hey, how do I do this as a hacker? It's like, or can you hack my Instagram account? Or can you kill these? I mean, it, it's that is a constant barrage. But what they're saying is they're not trying to be a hacker. What they're trying to do is they're trying to say, How can I make money at hacking? It's like, what can I do to make money? 
And one of the things that we don't want to like to discuss is I'm an IT person and I do IT support or I'm a developer mm-hmm. and I'm living in the Ukraine or I'm living in Uganda or I'm living in uh, Guangzhou or it's like, or I'm living in uh, uh, Johannesburg. It's like I'm making dollars a month and I've got to support a family. I've got to support children. I've got to support my life. It's like, I'm not making multiple thousands of dollars. It's like, I mean, I'd be lucky if I break over a thousand or 2000 USD in a year. It's like, what are they supposed to do? It's like, I'm not, I'm not saying that that crime is good. No, they should do better. And they should just try to figure out how to do more remote work, how to do something. And they should utilize that. I think it's being lazy just to report to the crime. But we can't just say that there's not a reason for it, why there's so many of them out there developing this stuff and wanting to learn how to hack. Because sometimes they're not saying, how do I learn to be hacking a hacker? They're like, I want to do something better with my life. And so those are the opportunities that we show them this is how you can do better. Uh, the reason why I created Ironin, uh, com was for people to understand what it means to be a hacker. But also I created several pages on there. And one of them is the Getting Started page, which actually is just a place for resources on how to become a ha- uh, hacker to get paid. It's like, you know, a pen tester, or a blue teamer. Uh, and so, and I need more people in the community to send me links to content so I can add to these things because it's a group effort uh, that I started, but it's like, I need help with. Uh, but yeah, it's the whole point is they're looking for help to improve their lives. Uh, it's like, and we have to explain to them that, well, you were already a hacker. This is how you would make money better. It's like, this is how you could make it uh, more profitable uh, for your abilities and your curiosity. Uh, so, I mean, that's what we need to, to start uh, pushing is the educational aspect of it. And if it can be fun, it's like, that's even better. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, but they need to learn. Yeah. So on, I promised we'd get back to this and I'm uh, excited to hear your, your answer to this. So on um, breakthrough, the the show breakthrough season two, episode two, yeah, you and your friend Darren Kitchens and uh, can't remember Khalil. your counterpart. Yep. Right, you guys go to Lebanon and you break into three banks, four banks actually. Was it four? Four? Okay. Yes. So, totally different country. You walk in there and you social engineer and physically breach this place along with all of the you know the 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 toys and everything, the tools, right? Right. Um. So that leads they need to believe like, hey, you've done this a few times, right? Right. You know? So that's not the first time I've actually robbed banks in Beirut, Lebanon, either. Not the first just, year. Yeah. That's just the first one recorded, right? For this yes. uh, Discovery Channel, right? <laughs> so here's a question, right? And I and I thought about this from like a trust factor. What if you and, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, right? What if your bank Right. Right. You were tasked to go out and Higgs, I'd love your take on this, right? Because you work with, with the, the the healthcare system, right? So these are things that affect people everyday life, right? Right. Banking, healthcare, this type of stuff. You go out and you breach 
the institution that is holding all of your money. Right. Do you lose faith in that that institution if you just kind of, you know, successfully just penetrate it? Do you lose faith in that? No, I educate them. It's like, it's like I teach them how to do better. It's like the, the problem is it's like you're, we can't seek perfection in an imperfect world. It's like, I mean, that's just impossible. And it's, and it's depressing uh, to strive for that. It's like the, the key thing I tell people, it's like our job in information security is never to eliminate risk. That is not our end goal. Our goal is to mitigate as much risk as we possibly can. Then we go to management and say, we can mitigate this much risk with the budget that we were allowed. Then with the rest of this risk that we have, we can offset this much risk by going to the cloud or AWS or having insurance or having these other things and these other SLA agreements, these other contracts that would offset this much risk. And then, but at the end of the day, there is still going to be a a varying degree of risk because they have to connect to the internet. They have to have interactions with other people. So there will always be inherent risk. It's like the whole concept of building walls and defending them is ludicrous nowadays. What you do now is it's not about how big or your defenses are to keep you from being attacked. No, you're being attacked. How quickly do you respond and how quickly do you handle that incident? That is the question. And another thing that you have to understand is we talk about instant response. We talk about uh, our defenses, but where's our monitoring. It's like the Sony breach over a terabyte of data left their network to an unknown IP address. No one noticed that. It's a terabyte of data exfiltrated from your company. That should have rang some alarm bells. Someone should have at least said, do we need to open up this pipe a little bit bigger? It's like, you know, it's like it's causing a a clog on on the pipes, right? It's like, but no, we didn't. So we need to stop this this fallacy that we're looking for these outside attackers coming after us on our perimeter. When, to be quite honest, especially this day and age, most of the attacks are coming from inside the house now. It's like it's literally the inside. It's not the insider threat as a malicious employee always, but it's an employee who has become an unknown insider threat by being a victim of an attack. And they're now launching the attack on the rest of the network through their computer. It's like, that's what we need to start understanding. The the whole thing about your inside uh, internal network can be all nice and squishy, like a coconut is gone. It's been gone for decades. It's like, stop thinking about it as a, you know, an, a big perimeter and then a nice, it's a secured inside. it's layers. It's always going to come back to layers. It's like, we're we're like ogres, you know, we have layers. It's like, it's like, uh, but they should be made out of steel. (laughs) (laughs) So so you guys know this, like a week ago, my wife had to go in for emergency surgery. Right. And this was like life threatening stuff. And Higgs 
you deal with these responses day in and day out from the the medical side, right? It's kind of same question to you, my friend. I mean, you know, where are you seeing the the threats on your end? And, you know, is this something that we should be concerned about? Because I, I saw an interesting article that said cyber attack, cyber attacks that are linked to actual deaths in the hospital system, right? And, you know, you know, their hospitals have been shut down because of ransomware. I mean, you're, you see it every day. I mean, should we be concerned about going to the ER or like, you know, in the middle of the, the, an, uh, uh, an operation, you know, the power goes out or some, some robotic arm is, you know, taken over. What, what's your thoughts on that Higgs? Well, well, first, you know, let's, let's get away from, uh, total failure here. Right. That's a scary, that's a scary thing for me. So we do a lot of HA. Uh, in, in environments like this, we have failures on top of failures on top of failure redundancy. But it's a real, the, the, the layer eight is what we see a lot of. So we're looking at the people. The people have and will always be the weakest link. You could have the best, most awesome security tools, top quadrant, best of the best of breed everything. Uh, and the fact of the matter is if the person's password is something like uh, uh, password one, two, three or hunter two, uh, it's going to get cracked, right? And so you're always going to have user awareness. I, I agree with uh, uh, Jason on most of his, or on all of his points actually so far. Uh, I would actually just expand that over to just everything's a teachable moment. You know, it, we're, uh, Info, InfoSec's a very aggressive end-user experience for people. We assume everybody, and, and again, I've been guilty of the same thing. You know, hard day, you've answered 400 tickets and this guy comes up and he's just... Hey, uh, can you reset this, you know, or Hey, I got to reset my password. It just gets chaotic. And sometimes you can make that an aggressive experience. And most of the time you don't want to. That is a very good point. It's like, one of the things that gets me that we need to understand is we need to stop looking at humans, uh, and our users as potential liabilities or potential threats and start seeing them as assets and part of our team. And, and teaching them like that, letting them know that they're part of our team, that their security is part of their responsibility, that yeah, they are part job. of information security. Stop trying to get more technology to protect your users and mm -hmm. start getting your users to protect your technology. It's like exactly. once you shift that, I think you're going to have a lot less of these human engagement where they're, they're the weakest link. It's not that they're the, just like the weakest link. It's just they're not the educated one. They don't know what their responsibilities are. If you give a delivery driver the keys on the first day of their job and you say, here are the keys of the van, go start doing your delivery route. Do you do that? Does the com any company do that? No, because they are liable for that equipment. So you make them liable for that equipment. You teach them about their equipment and you show them responsibilities. And if that driver totals that uh, delivery van three times, three different vans, and they lose, are they still employed with that company? But we allow employees to jeopardize the security of a company and ask Target. It was a phishing email from an HVAC company that cost them over $300 million. Is that HVAC employee still around? Probably. It's like, so we need to show them there's consequences for clicking on links and they could lose their job. It's like if they are not seen to be securing the equipment or keeping their equipment that they have been given by the company in a secure and safe manner. It's like you have to operate whatever equipment that you're given, be it has keys that go into an engine or keys that go into a computer. 
they have to be secured and they have to be operated safely. So Jason, and, who, who's and held we, liable though, guys? Ooh. So who's who's held liable? Is it is it? Is I it? take hit. I take a hit personally every time the org gets hacked or every time because for me that's a failure not to secure the org, but not to train the people right, not to have exactly. our responses set up, and not to have our uh, responses to be boom boom boom. You know, but uh, on that on that same on that same level, realistically, the bad guys. It's just like any other crime. This is not a victimless crime. Uh, you know, we have we have printers in our hospital that will, if they are scanned with a simple little ping scan in just the wrong way, will print random errors for days until it's out, right? And that's 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 every one. I had to do vulnerability tests and releases, flash reports for things such like, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, pneumatic tube systems, right? Like a lot of the backbone of a lot of of technology is left. Oh, it's inside. It's safe. And, and right. as Jason had touched on earlier, it's not. And when you have heart pumps that need to connect to other machines that, that, that then relay this data to the right to the cloud, that's where everybody's at in the cloud. Right. But as we say, the cloud is just somebody else's computer. And when you look at it on the level of health care, do you want us to have it? And secure it in our in our on-prem, or do you want us to put it in the cloud, right? And that's something every hospital has to come to and has been dealing with. Um, right. But that's you know, that's, that's me. yeah, and, and I agree. I agree with that a lot. It's because like, I think security has failed the users a lot. But also at the ultimate time, we have to understand they're being robbed. It's like criminals are responsible for this stuff. It's like they are choosing crime. It's like so. It's like mm-hmm. that. That is going to ultimately be the responsibility. We as security have to understand that we acknowledge the fact that there are criminals out there doing these things. And so therefore, that's where our responsibility starts with actually securing it. It's like we're not the causation of the events, but we acknowledge and know that it's going to occur. So we should prepare for it and make sure that the people that are doing their jobs are prepared for it as well. So it, it, it is very nuanced, but yes, but ultimately it's the criminals. It's like the laws need to be changed so they're not so stupid. Uh, and it's like, and they actually punish the people that are actually trying to profit off a of crime. Uh, and also we need to make sure that we educate uh, the lawmakers and we educate uh, the people on what is hacking, what is criminal. And we need to make the sentences for actual true crime computer crime to match the crime it's like uh because i don't know why a person is getting more time for exploration of a computer system than a rapist or a murderer or someone uh, who was robbed for involuntary manslaughter that is ridiculous and it's absurd but the reason why is because humans don't understand what hacking is And if a human does not understand something, they fear it. And what they fear, they try to destroy. That is just human nature. It's like, so we need to stop trying to be all scary and leet in our hoodies and start explaining and talking to the public and educating them what a hacker is. It's like, and and that's the reason why I like the Tribe of Hacker books uh, from Marcus J. Carey and Jennifer Jinn, uh, great uh, authors and stuff. And I'm not plugging it because I was in those books. But yeah, hey, it's like it's showing where boy. all the different kinds of hackers. It's like, yep. and it's a wonderful endeavor because that's how you educate people. 
you show them this is what hacking is. Yeah. So here's a two-part question for both of you guys to to wrap this up. This has been such a great conversation. All right. So what advice would you give a your CEO or whoever is leading your organization? And and that could be yourself, right? Or your, you know, your brother, right? You know, so you know, think about this from from those two perspectives, right? And then the second question is what's the next um big event that we can either find you guys at or you you're looking forward to. Right. So then we'll we'll okay. end with Jason, right? Give him yeah. the honors. So okay, so uh, I mean, you can find. I'm sure I don't know about uh, uh, Jason. I know I'll be at RSA, so we are looking at that. I am looking at to possibly get into ShmooCon. I'm hoping to get a paper acceptance. So that'd be cool. The one thing I wish I could tell, huh? Look, I just I wish a I wish security and IT. Uh, would have a better connection and that security was more baked into everybody's position versus having to, to even have to argue over IT or or what part of hacking or I'm not really a hacker, I'm in compliance, even though I got this really cool script that I wrote and coded by hand. Uh, or or oh, I'm not a ha- I'm not a hacker man. I just I'm just an Excel uh, genius over in finance who has cool, you know, 30 monitor things in Excel. Look, there's two things I like to tell everyone. One uh, uh, never stop learning. Uh, if you want to join this uh, uh, tribe of hackers that we got going on here, uh, you can't you can't be afraid to learn and you can't stop learning. If you lose that curiosity, not that you're not a hacker, uh, but you'll find that that information security is more of a money grind for you than it is uh, fun and fulfilling. Uh, uh, and two, do it. Uh, just simply do it. Whatever it is that you have that you think you can't do, or you you think you'd be really bad at, or you don't think you can go and try to try to transfer degrees over, or you or leave the industry, the fishing industry, to go be a a, a hacker, and you don't think you can do it. I'm, I'm big on just just do it, because if you do it and fail, I mean that's that's life. But if you don't do it, then you automatically fail. And, and, and I mean that that's that's you know not the hacker spirit in, in general. Well that's, said, sir. That is well very said. well said. I, I tell people I'm here more because of I'm successful more because of my failures than than because of the things that just happened nice for me. It's like so I, I would like to go with like oh uh, where I'm going I'm going to be at Ad Hack in uh, Rida Saudi Arabia at the end of November and I'm and I did not even think I was going to actually be able to go out of the country this year. It's like it was the first time in over uh, a decade that I had not left the country. Uh, it's like, uh, and so I was very unhappy about that, but then I got this opportunity to speak in, uh, at, at, at hack in Saudi Arabia. If you actually go to the website, it looks like it's going to be freaking amazing because it's just like, it's really a hacker conference in Saudi Arabia. And so, and it's like, I'm hoping that, I mean, there's already going to be some good, uh, people there. It's like, so the, the chances for an international incident are almost certain, uh, but hopefully no jail time. It's like, cause it's like, I'm going to be exploring. I'm going to get there like several days early. So there'll be a lot of pictures on social media. It's like from my exploits. And then, uh, I think the one after that is I'm speaking in at itdefense.de and, uh, and, uh, Berlin, uh, at the beginning of February, which is always a great conference. I go there as many times as possible. Actually, I was coming back from in 2020, I was coming back from going to IT defense and then uh, uh, a conference in Norway and disobey in Finland. Uh, I was going to all three at one time and I was coming back from Finland at the end. And that was the last time I was on a plane. It, it's like for all of 2020. 
Uh, yep. and so, so yeah, so it's like, so it's good to get back into trying to, to, to go out and teach and, and educate people. But the, the thing that I would tell a CEO is that you're not always necessarily at fault for being breached, but you are always responsible for how quickly you detect it and how quickly you can respond to it. And how you react to the knowledge of it being, of it happening. Those are in the realms of your responsibilities. It's like some uh, breaches you are responsible for. You knew that there was a vulnerability there. You knew that that was insecure and you still allowed that because it was just a mitigated risk. It's like, and trust me, that's not something unheard of. It's like, if you go look in the news and if you go look in in history, car makers and automakers were notorious for that. They knew there were defects in cars, but they would rather just deal with the lawsuits than recall the vehicle. Volkswagen? Yes. One of the best things about Dr. Charlie Miller and Newt Haberdasher, uh, I forgot his real name. It's like his Twitter handle, but uh, their research in the Jeep hack was those vehicles were recalled and fixed without one death being reported. That's almost unheard of in the automotive industry, and hackers did that. They saved lives. It's like because they didn't require it to be actually there to be a death or a certain, because they were able to discover that vulnerability. So it's like, so you have to understand how you respond to it. It's like you may not be always responsible but you have to be responsible for how you respond to that attack. Right. So Jason, where can J Y S O N E street.com. Basically it's got everything there. It's like videos. And then also my hacker adventures.world. If you're more interested in just where I'm going and what I'm seeing, I've got my drone videos, some of them illegal uh, posted publicly to view. It's like, and, uh, well, not illegally, you know, it's like, it was just, uh, I've got a hack drone, so it disregards no fly zones. So yeah. I may not be aware sometimes if I'm not like, yeah, it, it gets complicated, but I don't, I usually try not to fly over people. I don't try over populated areas. I always try yeah. to keep this. I don't go like, I would be terrified. My longest flight on my drone was off the uh, coast of George, uh, South Africa in uh, Mossel Bay, where it's like, I went out to Seal Island. And I could not even see the drone. It's like I was terrified. And it's like, I mean, I was shaking. My leg was shaking as I was flying it out there to take pictures and video. And then I brought it back. And when it was over land, I literally almost collapsed. And the guy who was with me was just like, are you effing kidding me right now? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Dude, yesterday you skydived for the first time and you found it relaxing. And this morning you were swimming with sharks. And this is what terrified, this is what was scaring you so visibly. It's like, and I'm like, yes, it's like the other stuff was just my right? life. This was money. Yeah. This was my, my gadget. It's like. Uh, <laughs> uh, Higgs, where can everybody find you, brother? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm 6869677A all over. You hit me on Gmail or catch me on Facebook uh, if you happen to be in that area. All right. Guys, thank you so much. Again, great way to spend a Friday night. Jason, I'm sure that we will have you back because there's 
tons and tons of things that we can talk about. I really like your 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 closing statement, you know, saying that, hey, it's not your fault, but it is, you know, if it happens, but is it is your responsibility and how you react to it, right? I, I think that's very powerful, man. So wrapping this up here, Nigel at CyberWarrior Network, you can check us out. If you're looking to host any cyber esports tournaments, check us out at cyberwarriornetwork.com and stay safe, guys. Appreciate the time. Until next time. Thank you very much. Thank you. You take care. Thanks for listening to the CWN Esports Podcast. Check us out on CyberWarriorNetwork.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn.